0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome
1: network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Damian Lee goes into a three. It's up Lee hit it. It's time.
3: 95, 777, the game. raymond has got it left sideline. Let the
2: celebration begin. With four titles in the last eight years, the run is not done. The Golden State Warriors once again are NBA champions in 2022. Bob Fitzgerald on the call as we welcome you in here to Warriors this week. The final edition, a championship edition here on 95.7 The Game. Whitey Gleason has the weekend off. Best to Whitey as he is uh, at a family wedding this weekend. And uh, well, what better way if Whitey couldn't be here to really, I think, neatly tie a bow around the 2021-22 season with the Warriors, now NBA champions, than to bring back the man who was my co-host week one way back in October. And we did this show together last year. I know the Warrior fans are really, 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 really excited today because we got Nick Friedel in studio joining me, (laughs) co-hosting this show for the next four hours. So, Nick, great to have you here. I'm just going to really quickly, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. if you want to come after Nick, Please. Uh, just just bring it. I know we've had a few people that said, hey, when can I get it, Nick? Well, this is your opportunity to, to get it, Nick. I don't know why you'd want to get it, Nick, but uh, what's going on, buddy?
4: It is so good to be with you. It is so good to be in the Bay again and feel all the excitement that is surrounding this team and J.D., I still cannot believe that the Warriors did it, that this team this year did it. You you and I have done this show for a while now. I never thought at the end of last season that we'd be sitting here now the middle of June <laughs> with this group having just won its fourth title. It's really impressive to see how it all came together. You understand how many different things have to Hit the right way to make it happen. And most importantly for me, what you see is Steph Curry really cementing the legacy that was already set. But now you're talking about one of the game's all time great players, not just the game's all time greatest shooter.
2: So we got a lot to get to over the next four hours. Of course, your phone calls, your text messages already chiming in here, Xfinity Mobile Text Line. Uh, who is this idiot? Does he really watch basketball? Actually, I, I kid. Nick. That was actually from last night. That was like from the overnight show. I'm sure show. they're coming. That was from the overnight show. I cannot wait that to hear was from everybody. That not from this show. I was just happened to be the last text on the board.
4: Well, you'll love that Robin called in to, to Damon and Ray's show yesterday oh, to say wonderful. hello. She said she's calling in today. So I can't wait to hear from everybody that was calling us all these different times and saying, no, 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 the Warriors can do it. Guess what? They were right.
2: Well, and, and the funny part, and Robin actually called on the post game on Thursday night after Game Six, and she had words for you. I said, Robin, you just just call him on Saturday. We we got him. We're here, Special baby. edition five one zero. Just real quick here before we set the table, cousin Nick, nothing but love. Appreciate his non biased opinion on the Warriors' season. Respect.
4: Hey, look at that. There you go. We're we're starting off well, but truly to watch them up close day-to-day, JD, and see everything coming together the way they did those first few months. And then to see the run that they went on in the playoffs, it just speaks to the player development that's in place with Steve Kerr and his staff. Bob Myers and that front office deserve an immense amount of credit because it seemed like every note that they played on that roster and the construction worked? And how many times in the last year and a half would you and I sit here on Saturday morning and it would be, okay, how can they make the Steph Draymond Clay group line up with the Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman uh, run that they need to kind of merge? And they didn't have to. And they didn't have to.
2: And they didn't have to. They were that good. They were that good, and it was apparent early that that was going to be the plan, was that they wanted to be able to be that good to where those guys could develop, but develop essentially by not having to play meaningful yeah. minutes constantly th- throughout the season and really not in the playoffs at all.
4: The unbelievable part about all of this is that they have that next wave that's there that they can continue to develop.
2: Well, and yeah, and that I mean that's the beauty of, and there are so many different angles to get into here today, but. To get off on that point for just a minute, I mean, the beauty now of winning it is you can stand pat with those young players. There's no pressure. Hey, you couldn't quite get over the hump or you didn't get close to getting over the hump. You owe Steph this, you owe Draymond that, you owe Clay this. Make a move to try and get yourself on top. <laughs> You're at the top of the mountain now, and and those three players, specifically Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody, were not really a part of it at all in a, in a, in a big-picture type of a way. So now you can just kind of stand pat and continue to develop and not have that pressure to feel like you have to trade one of them because the rest of the roster isn't good enough to be championship level.
4: How many hours through time did you and I sit there and try to figure out, is it Bradley Beal? Is it Miles Turner? <sighs> Is it... Ben when, Simmons? Is it oh my, oh my,
2: Ben... Ben my. Simmons, who played as many minutes as James
4: Wiseman <laughs> this year. My old life clashing with my new life. But all these different layers. Hey, Nick, when's
2: Ben Simmons going to play?
4: <laughs> the Warriors... Welcome the Warriors, to Brooklyn. When's Ben Simmons going to oh, play? Oh, my God. They, they're hoping uh, he'd be ready for training camp, J.D., but nobody knows for certain. But But truly... <laughs> To think that everything played out the way it did and they didn't have to make those decisions is really a credit to the belief that that Bob and his staff had in what they were putting together. And when you come into this Warriors group, and J.D., you've lived it a lot longer than I have out here day to day, there is a respect in knowing what everybody is able to provide in that – it's like being in a college program. Everybody can plug into what they're being asked to do, and the coaching staff will develop them the right way, and they're going to learn more from Steph and Clay and Draymond. And there is no better example in the NBA about all of that than my man Andrew Wiggins. He came into this group And the Warriors thought, all right, we can make this work because we're going to surround him with guys who are going to bring the best out of him. He's going to hit a different level in his career around them than at any point that we saw in Minnesota. And everybody was right on that front. I never thought he could play the way that we saw throughout the last season, but even more, J.D., in the finals. Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry helped carry this team throughout a bulk of this run and Wiggins being in this culture around this group is a ad basically for the rest of the league to any player who has underachieved somewhere else come to Golden State be around what we have put together and get the most out of your career.
2: All right, he's Nick Friedell. I'm John Dickinson, 888-957-9570. Warriors this week, the championship edition as the Golden State Warriors, our NBA champions for the fourth time in eight seasons. Uh phone lines are, are open. We'll get to the calls here coming up momentarily. That there are two things, and we're gonna get into Wiggins and 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 his impact, which was huge. Two notes coming off of Game six and the title for me. And one was you look at the teams that have won the four and eight years, because the Warriors are are putting themselves into a new category now. You go back to the nineties Bulls, it's the eighties Lakers, it's the sixties Celtics, and it's the fifties Minneapolis Lakers, all
4: George Miken baby. George
2: Miken. <laughs> the George Miken era in in play there. So the Warriors from a from a team standpoint, I mean, right up there with the all-time greats, and I know it hasn't been as seamless as maybe those other ones just based on the, ca- uh, the the calendar, right? Those fit tightly into into decades. The Warriors have bridged now a couple of decades here going back to, to 2015. So from the team standpoint, it's, it's wow. Mm-hmm. 90s Bulls, 80s Lakers, 60s Celtics. I mean, my seat at TD Garden was, I mean, I was staring at those banners for Felt like two weeks straight. Like, oh my god! Like, look at all these banners, and they're oh sixty one.
4: Yeah, it. Bob Cousy and the Plumbers. Yeah,
2: Bob. Bob Cousy and the Plumbers winning nothing but chips. Uh, and and the other note that stands out for me is the note about Curry winning his fourth championship to go with the two regular season MVPs. He gets the Finals MVP uh, finally in with the fourth championship, but the seventh player to win four titles and two regular season MVPs, and the names on the list, and I know you know them, but for those that hadn't heard, the names now, four titles in the two MVPs, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Tim Duncan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and Bill Russell, all of those players, other than Russell, also won a finals MVP, at least one finals MVP. The only reason Russell didn't was because the Finals MVP started Bill Russell's last year, and he didn't win it that year. So Bill Russell would have had some Finals MVP. So it's it, this is basically the four championship, two MVP, Finals MVP category by which Steph is with Kareem, Duncan, LeBron, Magic, Jordan, and Bill freaking Russell.
4: The greats of the greats. By winning this title, Steph... Entered a different tier, and and everybody's breaking down. Oh, is he on Mount Rushmore? It doesn't matter. He is one of the very greatest players that we've ever seen. And everybody out here, J.D., in the Bay, understands how lucky they are to be here in this moment. I think at the top of that list is Steve Kerr, who has told both of us many, many times just how... Much he appreciates the joy that Steph plays the the tone and tenor he sets for the rest of the team and the organization. But to me, as you're trying to process what we've seen this year and what we've seen the last few seasons, everybody just needs to enjoy the moment. And the moment starts with Steph Curry being at the peak of his powers mm. and delivering this team to yet another... Unbelievable achievement.
2: All right, before we get to the calls, one more just point of business here to start the show. The parade, Monday in San Francisco. Want to make sure everybody knows what the deal is with that. Uh, June 20th, so Monday. It's going to start around 1120 in the morning. It's going to begin on Market Street at Main and will end at Market and 6th Street. A little over a mile in length. So that's where you know when to get set up, get into the city early. I mean, it, this this thing's going to be huge. First one in San Francisco after the three in Oakland, which were all tremendous, and uh, the Giants parades of, of years past from, from 2010, 12, and 14, which did take place in the city uh, along a similar route, uh, pretty, pretty incredible as well. So, yeah, the, the parade's going to run right around 11 to 2, basically. Uh, but, yeah, market in Maine. Uh, Market and Sixth. I know we're going to be out there you know, broadcasting live from from very early with with the morning roast and, and on into the day, and and we'll have full coverage of it all. But yeah, if you want to get into the city, get in early, come to the parade. I mean, we're we're talking, I think, seven
4: digits for this bad boy. I I still cannot believe that we're sitting here talking about a Warriors parade in San Francisco, and JD. We have all day to go through all the different layers to all this. But as I look through how this came to be, i I just I always thought that the warriors' best chance, especially with Clay coming back, was next season. I think internally, as we talk to people, even in the organization, they all thought, all right, let's see what happens this year and next year we'll bring it all together. Wiseman will get another year of, sure. of run, and, and Kaminga and Moody will try to find their way. And it all happened ahead of schedule. And it all started to click early in the year. And for all the, the different reasons, the defense that this team played all season, but especially when they needed it the most at the end of some of those games in the finals, it was really, really stellar. And it was something that you weren't sure... You, this group would be able to hang its hat on at the beginning of the season and in the end. The lesson learned is Steph Curry's awesome and all these different pieces worked around him, but they all bought into the defensive system and they knew what they needed to accomplish in it when these games mattered the most. All
2: right, let's get to the phones here. 888 It's John Dickinson and Nick Friedel, Warriors this week. We're here until 1 o'clock. We'll keep the party rolling here on 957 the game on into the morning i think uh, the party hasn't stopped
4: nick since thursday night it's been it's been rolling jd i've been here the last couple of days the amount of people that are walking around in warriors gear was always high sure in the Bay. always <laughs> even in the bad times but it, i feel like everywhere i turn somebody else has some sort of sign or hat or they're talking about stephen clay and and what draymond did it's it's a fun time <laughs> to be here, and everybody just needs to savor it because you weren't sure it was coming around again. And now not only has it come around, but the window potentially to keep going is wide open for them.
2: Austin in San Jose gets us tipped off here on a Saturday morning on ninety-five-seven. Hey. The Game. What's going on, Austin? Hey,
5: fellas. What's going on, J.D., my guy? And uh, Nick, welcome back, man. Are you Do you have your uh, curry beads with you, man? Are you... Ready to go into the confessional. I mean, <laughs> the amount of stuff you talked. I mean, serious, Nick. I mean, listen, I'm coming at you, my guy. But, man, they didn't, the core couldn't get it done. I mean, all this stuff that we heard and uh, Wiggins. And seriously, though, man, I think we're all emotional. I mean, I watched Steph uh, after the game, and, man, all the Warrior fans were probably crying with him. I mean, that was amazing to see the emotion coming out of that, man. And it hit me a couple of different ways. One, being from D.C. and ACC guy, and watching Georgetown, my guy's the buddy Hoyas, but people remember that journey where he almost took, he took down all the big boys in college, you know, being doubted in the NBA, and then every year somebody coming up and saying what he isn't, I mean, let's stop this nonsense, Nick. I mean, from now on, man, let's not talk about what the Warriors can't do, and and Nick, did you have Boston, I don't want to be inaccurate here, but did you have Boston in five? I think I heard you had Boston in five, and Kendrick Perkins and all these guys. Man, you guys all should go to. You guys need to go to church, man, and apologize and pray and apologize to Mr. Curry, man. That's all I got, Nick. Thank
2: you. Pre- appreciate it, Austin.
4: Yeah,
2: you need a little little, little soul redemption. I, yeah, I don't think, yeah. you, get, I don't think you've the... ever been the anti-Curry guy.
4: No, yeah, where did the uh, the, the I step think stuff I think that's from? a little inaccurate.
2: <laughs> think... Like you've had opinions, and hey, we've all got opinions, and and you're here, and that's that's what I love about you. You're here with a smile on your face. And it's it's just perfect to have you here. And look, we're blowing it up a little bit, but but you're willing to take it. But I know about the Steph stuff.
4: Yeah, the the Steph stuff. The one thing I was always sure of with this team always was that Steph would show up and he would dominate. I just didn't know if the pieces around him on this roster were going to fit the right way for a title. But Austin's right, and JD he's called us for two years, and and he would always say, okay. You know, I think this team could be a little bit better, and they were. Part of the reason, a huge part, and the reason why I felt so strongly that they probably weren't going to bank it back to the top, it had nothing to do with Steph, it was you and I sat here and watched Draymond last year, and he really struggled. He he just wasn't very good. Andrew Wiggins had yet to to, to make the transformation we saw this season where he just looked like – the same player at times that he was with the Timberwolves. Kelly Oubre last year was really bad. They popped him out and they brought in Otto Porter, Bialica, and Andre Gudala And you and I last summer were going, really? That's all? Like, that's that's the bench, essentially? Gary Payton II was a no-name guy. Major the find, NBA. though. And... It was the 15th dude when a lot of people thought, oh, should they have kept Avery Bradley to start the season? He was terrific in his role within this group, and then again, you want you want reasons why we didn't think it, it, or for me that I didn't think it would work. Jordan Pool, as as good as he played at times last season, for him to make the leap that he made, and for him to become the type of score and consistent rotation guy that they needed offensively, that was gigantic. On top of the fact, J.D., Kevon Looney, there you wondered if his body would allow him to stay in the league. Right. Let
2: and alone play 104
4: games. Kevon he 104, Looney. 104. He played every game. Incredible. Incredible. And there's a reason that Steve Kerr repeatedly says, I love Loon. (laughs) Loon's my guy. Free agent Loon now. (laughs) Well, Loon's going to get some money that we weren't sure was going to be there for him uh, a couple years ago. But it is a credit to that Warriors training staff to get him prepared. And then when you talk about rehabs and getting things right, for Clay to come back and have the impact that he did at various times, and for all of us to understand that it's going to take another year, and he's going to be even better next season. I mean, it all came together, and when teams win titles, you need to get some breaks along the way and get some luck. They got that, and because of the greatness of Steph, he led them through at the end.
2: The beauty of this show today, and, and I got a million things we can get into, and, and I'm glad we've got the, the four-hour extravaganza, but the beauty of this show today is there are moments where I can just go to the phones and then turn my mic off for a few seconds and just, and just <laughs> let it ride. And right now is one of those moments. Filmo Mike, you're on ninety five seven the game. Filmo, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you have the floor. I'm gonna sit back, I'm gonna take a sip of my coffee, and I'm gonna let you roll, <laughs> my man. What's going on, brother? Uh,
6: oh, uh, JD, much appreciated, man. AK boots on the ground. Hey Nick, man. Nick, man, you know what? I love you because you you you're very personable, right? So, like, you come on the show, I don't know you. I met a couple of on, but I don't know you, but I feel like you Cousin Nick. You feel me? So I can get at you harsh, and you just going to sit there and laugh. But what I'm laughing at is how how you keep saying last year. First of all, Draymond was not that bad last year. You, you try to play him right now. He was okay last year. He wasn't the greatest. He was better this year, but he wasn't horrible. You just said he was horrible. But my main point is this, though. Hey, Nick, you used to sit up there, right? And you kind of reminded me of Steinman back in the day when he used to be on, like, pre post for the Warriors. You used to be like, J.D. would ask you so, or Whitey would ask you so. Do you think the Warriors have what it takes to get to the playoffs and make a deep run? You just sit up there and be like, no. <laughs> and then you would start laughing. But you – Man, I love your unbiased <laughs> opinion, bro. For real, for real. But I'm glad ESPN, I don't know if they got you out here. you? Oh. oh, no. Oh, we lost
2: filmo oh, oh, no. Filmo, uh, well he got he got a good run in that was a good yeah, run yeah yeah he was rolling and, uh,
4: Draymond I, did, did I say Draymond was ter- 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 terrible he wasn't very good last year out of Draymond's well, mouth Draymond was the one who was well, like yeah ah. he he did say that yeah, last year I mean year. Draymond I mean he
2: acknowledged it and he checked out the year before that
4: completely but to his credit in and this is what you always see not, not just with Warriors but with great teams J.D. they are proud teams they are a group of guys that believe that no matter what the circumstances are, they'll still find a way. I was thinking back to you and I's first media day at Chase Center, and I had to do these interviews for for ESPN, and the guys would come over and I'd say to Draymond, do you think you guys can still win a title this year? This
2: is after they lost Durant.
4: This is after they lost Durant and Clay was hurt. And, and Wiggins
2: wasn't here yet. And, and and exactly. Jordan and Jordan Poole was a rookie that hadn't played a game yet. That was
4: that was D'Angelo right. Russell. And right. how's he going to fit with Steph? Glenn Robinson III. Oh, my gosh. Alec Burks. Wasn't Alec Burks on yeah, that team? A lot team? of good names on that team. That was two years ago, by the way. I'm I, 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 no.
2: Not to derail your thought, but I, the, one of the many things that just blows me away Basically two years ago right now, I don't know the exact date, but it was right around this time, the Warriors were one of, what was it, eight teams that were uninvited to the bubble?
4: Oh, yeah, that's right.
2: I mean, they were uninvited to the bubble because they were the worst team in the league. And here's the other thing, and I've tried to put it in this context. When everything stopped on March 11th for the sports world but mm-hmm. the NBA world, the Warriors were the only team in the NBA – on March 11th, that had been mathematically
4: eliminated from the playoffs. That's right. That's right. I remember remember Steve went on a Zoom. It was like for the University of San Francisco or something. And he's like, hey, we've told our guys we're operating like the season's going to end. And everybody went crazy. They were like, what is he talking about? Uh, This is going to turn back around, no problem. And we all know what happened after that because everything – Pretty much shut down for. But that was
2: two years ago. I mean, it wasn't. It feels like it was five years ago, at, but it was two years ago. It
4: was two years ago. So to start that season at Media Day, I say to Draymond, Draymond, do you think you guys can still win a title this year? And he looks at me dead in the eye, as as only Draymond can, uh, as, as confidently as he can, and he goes, "We still got Steph." I'm like, "Yeah, we still got Clay." Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still here with rehab. And he's like, I'm still here. We got a shot. <laughs> and I always remembered that as the run in the last couple months went into the playoffs and beyond. Because that group, because of what they've been through, always believed that it could happen. And he was right. All right, first segment in the
2: books. 888-957-9570. A lot of people that want to squawk with us. A lot of people that want to get it, Nick. We're Let's having go, some baby. fun with it. More hours, well, let's go. Nick welcomes it. The other questions on the board, we're going to revisit some of the, the key moments this season as well. I've got a big list of them. We're going to play some highlights from some of the big games. When did you know that the Warriors could could win the title? I mean, yeah, Draymond's saying they could win another title three years ago. Okay, that's that's bravado. But when did you think this team could get it done this season? And just kind of where does this rank uh, in terms of the, the Warriors' four titles 888 957 0 Warriors this week we're off and rolling here on a
3: Saturday at 957 the game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
2: Gets the back screen for Bielitsa. Shovels it over to Draymond, back to Bielitsa. Fakes, goes out to the wing, to Wiggins for a three. Got it! Time out, that? Los Angeles.
7: How about that movement, Tim? <laughs> no one, the Lakers had no idea where that ball was going to end up. Bielitza faking a pass <laughs> midair.
4: Now back to
3: Warriors this week on ninety-five seven. The Game.
2: Bielitza faking a pass midair. Staples Center when it was still Staples Center. Back on October the 19th, that was opening night. And I think, Nick, the Warriors showed something really from the first night of the season that things were going to be a little different than maybe people expected. Remember, a huge game. Jordan Poole, huge second half. Warriors kind of got down in that game, but they came back big second half. They beat the Lakers. I think the Warriors, even on that night, eight months ago now. Eight months ago. Eight months ago tomorrow. Would be that night in in Staples. I think the Warriors showed it was going to be a little different for them, but I think they also showed it was going to be a little different for the Lakers, who uh, didn't make the playoffs.
4: That, that was the, one of the biggest tells. Is everybody came into that game? That was be- like one. That was one
2: versus two. That was clash of the titans. That, that were the top two teams, championship contenders. Absolutely, in a lot of people's eyes, in in the West.
4: And everybody looked at the Lakers and went, "Wait a minute. I know." being around the Warriors at the end of that game, because I was still, it was very hesitant as far as who could be in the tunnel and who you were able to talk to from a media standpoint. Russell Westbrook, even in that game, everybody was looking around like, oh, it's terrible. oh my gosh, this, this may not work. This doesn't look really good right now. So that was the first tell. And when you're starting to get, that type of production from Bialisa, as we heard in the clip, and maybe his
2: best game of the year, that, but it, but it just showed things were going to be a little different.
4: A hundred percent, because your eyes start open and go, "Wait a minute, the bench might be all right." And and if you're getting production from Jordan Poole like that, whoa, he's going to be an offensive spark plug. And then he got better and better and better. So there are a lot of different moments throughout that season where I think the players started to look around and go, yeah, we can do this, but, J.D., you are spot on because that Laker game, people around the league started to think, well, maybe the Warriors could be a little bit better than we thought. And now, eight months later, we see what
2: happened. Yeah, and 1-0 turned into 18-2 and really fast. Wow. And at that point, I think everybody knew 18-2 and going into Phoenix on November 30th when the Warriors did get beat, but then they came back and beat Phoenix again, and it was, it was off to the races. I think the high water mark was forty-one and thirteen in February, twenty-eight over five hundred before some of the injuries and mm-hmm. things kind of waned around the All Star break a little bit. Uh, but the question at that point became, could they get everybody on the same page in the playoffs? Steph, Clay, Draymond, with Wiggins, and others. And figure out the roles on the fly, and and they were able to figure it out on the fly, which is is pretty amazing in a sense, because they had so much invested on trying to do that in the playoff and in the first game against Denver. I mean, they they clicked, and yep. and it was, and even that was, you know, we're going way far down the line. Six months after that opener, but but that first game of the playoffs too, it was like, oh boy, this this really could click in a, in a in a positive way.
4: Well, even going back to that first game at Staples, JD, I remember talking to Draymond and and I said, you know, you know what championship teams look and feel like. Do you think you're you're at that point from a roster standpoint? And the exact quote was, "We're a long ways from a, a championship right now." It wasn't that he didn't think they could do it it was that he knew that all the different pieces in play had to hit the right way and that they there was a lot of growth that needed to happen from the Pools and from Wiggins and from a lot of the guys that we hadn't seen in that Warriors jersey for for very long. And it all happened. And the belief grew and grew and grew and, and will hit all the, the different touchstones throughout the year, but the fact that They saw it early on in getting into that 18-2 run, the fact that they kept clicking the way that they did. This is a case study in a team that knew they had some good pieces, but the cohesion that any title team needs was there and kept getting better as the year went on. All let
2: right, Let's get back to the phones. Uh, when one person drops, that's your opportunity to uh, chime in. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. James in San Francisco gets us started this segment. Hey, James.
1: Hey, guys. Good morning. Um, I'm really excited about the Warriors season as well. I'm actually kind of in disbelief in some way, but um, – I guess it's because it's very surprising to me and, and kind of blows me away every time I hear that statistically the Warriors were so great on defense during the regular season. It just seems that at the end of the regular season, for example, they were under 500, and at times it seemed like, I mean, they weren't even playing defense, to me at least. Um, this is my mostly my impression. I don't have any statistics on it. Just from watching the games, that they really weren't a great de- defensive team. They weren't h- holding teams under 100 points a lot. And it just kind of seemed like they, they weren't playing a lot of defense um, until the playoffs, really. I, I wonder if you can help me understand what I'm missing and, and, you know, which which defensive stats you're looking at for to show that they're a strong defensive team. And, and I, I'm, Am I the only one who thinks this, or is this – well, you know, is this something other people think too? Yeah,
2: thanks, James. Look, they they were the number one defensive team in the league for a good chunk of the year. I mean yep. that that forty one and thirteen. I mean that's fifty four games. So basically, two thirds of the season, roughly. I, I guess fifty four games is exactly two thirds of the season, more or less. You know, minus one that one extra game. But uh, yeah, they it was almost two seasons. It was they got to that point at forty one and thirteen, relatively healthy. Minus Clay, and then really from that point on, they were not very good. They were kind of a middle of the road defensive team, and then they found it again in the playoffs. But yeah, them and the Celtics, and the Celtics were not a good defensive team early, but then became an elite defensive team late on their twenty six and six run, and ended up being the the top two defenses. But yeah, de- defensive rating, points per hundred possessions, that kind of thing. in mean, the Warriors were Warriors were one two the whole year, but they were one. In a big way for those first fifty-four.
4: A hundred percent. J D defensively, the takeaway from the year is as great as Steph and Draymond and Clay at times after he came back could be, this team is is hoisting another trophy because the core principles of what they needed on that end of the floor were great and they they stayed that way. They had that little blip around March where they they couldn't get it right. They were losing to the magic. I mean, things were looking bleak. But when they needed to hit that extra gear on that end, it was always there. And there are a lot of reasons why stuff like that happens. Early in the year, Andre Godala was awesome and gave them a huge lift. Later in the year, Gary Payton II, for all the different reasons why the Warriors – our, uh, our champions again, Gary Payton II comes in out of nowhere and is this incredible defensive presence. He knows how to fit into what they need on that end of the floor, and those guys trusted him so much in those bigger moments to go in and and mess something up. And we're sitting here talking about that first game against the Lakers. J.D., in those first few weeks, I remember the the players were looking around like, Gary Payton the second can play. Yeah. And early on it was, oh, man, he can dunk. He's coming in off the dunker spot and he's throwing down and the crowd's going nuts. But when you earn that type of respect that quickly in the league, almost always it comes from the defensive energy you can bring to the rest of the group.
2: Well, and, and Gary Payton the second, the decision on him gets us into another branch of this thing because if you go back to – and this relates to, to something I had jotted down regarding Joe Lacob mm-hmm. – the veterans wanted Avery Bradley. And Avery Bradley ended up with the Lakers and and it didn't obviously work out for them. Although if you remember, he had a pretty good game that first game, I think, against the Warriors. And he had a couple were kind of
4: shots. Of, they we're
2: like, uh oh, yeah. like what like what's going on with uh, that? But uh, but no. it was the veterans wanted Bradley. The Warriors kept Peyton. Peyton ended up working out. And, you know, I, I liken that as that goes into the category of back to last off season when Steph and Draymond and maybe a Gadala went into to management and made their case to to basically, hey, we need more veterans, need need more help, and you know all these young players, this this stuff's not necessarily going to work. And so Joe Lacob said, we appreciate your opinion, but we're going to not you know, we're going to we're going to keep doing it my way. And Joe Lacob won on that front. As well, and so I think sometimes it's the moves that you don't make, or holding firm and certain. Like Joe Lacob's, he he won those battles in a way, and it and it wound up being the best thing for the franchise.
4: And it shows you what a healthy organization looks like. Because JD, how many times in the league do players come in and say, "I want my guy," uh, Lebron James, the Lakers? <laughs> I want open for him to discuss it. Your opinion always matters.
2: I know there's been a lot written and reported about the input that, that the star players have had more on a day-to-day basis in terms of, of operation and who should be playing and, hey, go back to Looney, you know, when, when things aren't going well in the, in the Memphis series, and, and he helps kind of flip that whole thing around and, and ends up being a starter for the Warriors for the, for the duration. So a lot of input, but that doesn't always mean the final call is going to go their way.
4: These guys, the stars the Steffs, the Draymonds, the Clays, they trust Bob Myers. They trust Steve Kerr. They trust that Joe Lacob is going to spend, and that ownership group will spend when they need to to make them as great as they can be. That trust is earned. It's earned through a process of years, through highs and lows. When you win titles, everybody comes together, just on a completely different level. And, J.D., to your point, so many times throughout the season when things might have shifted a different way, that trust was always on display. There was a trust from within, from the players, because they knew that they would find uh, find their way back into what they needed, and there was a trust internally from the coaching staff, from the ownership group, from the front office – that everybody was pulling in the same direction. And so often in the NBA, when things start to go bad, teams can tear apart. This team never did. It has stayed the course, and that trust is apparent in why they have been able to go from rock bottom back to the top.
2: All right, let's go rapid fire on some calls here between now and the top of the hour. 888-957-9570. Manuel in Dublin is up first here, uh, or up next here on ninety-five seven. The game. Hey, Manuel.
7: Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Nick, I'm glad you showed up, man. I think it takes a real uh, your character, you know, to show up because you you, you nailed Wiggs early in the season. Did you ever see Wigs? And I, I got two real quick two real quick questions. After why I think the, when I think the Warriors are going to win. Did you ever see Wigs play like this? For some reason, I want to say. He played us uh, a few years ago and he had some sort of a glimpse of what we've seen, nothing what we've seen the other couple, the last couple of games. Um, did you ever see him play that good at all? And then my other, here's where I think this season, where I really thought we were going to win a chip. I'm going to go with two dunks. I'm going to go with the, uh, the GP two dunk. In, in, I think it was game six against Memphis. And that's when I was like, oh my God, we got a this is a real possibility to get this. And then the Wiggins the dunk over Luca. Uh, cool. I'll take my question up there, but, but again, uh, JD, I appreciate your work. I mean, what you do for the fans and everything, man. I can't make it to the game uh, to the parade because I dropped about twelve hundred for for the game one ticket and about two hats, a hundred dollars. So I'm kind of cashed out. I can't take another day off. But you guys have fun Monday. Uh, have a good day. Thanks.
2: Well, man, you'll enjoy getting him back. And and good good on you for for getting to game one. I mean, that's that's a, a special moment that obviously I, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people are trying to get back off of that one, but if you if you did have an opportunity to be in the building for any of these playoff games, but especially one of the finals games, uh, special on you. So yeah, I, I think you'll get the highlights of the parade.
4: Oh yeah. oh yeah, but but J.D, as far as Manuel's first question about Wiggins, Wiggins consistently had never played close to the level that we saw. This year,
2: and for and just for those that 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 don't know, I want I do think we need to reset just your background with Wiggins because you you covered Wiggins up close and personal during his time in, in in Minnesota. So just kind of kind of reference, I don't have the specific dates, but you you covered the Timberwolves
4: pretty intensely. I was in the Midwest. I was based in Chicago when the Bulls started to go south and they started their own rebuild. I was going back and forth to Minnesota a lot. Andrew Wiggins inside that organization was always an enigma because they knew how great he could be. They knew how much talent he had, but they couldn't harness it to a point where every day he came in and you knew what you were getting game to game. And to see the transformation that he has made, because – and and this goes back to Manuel's question, there were always times when Wiggins had really great games. You used to play the Raptors, and the running joke was, ah, well, just play the Raptors 82 times, and you're going to see the best at Andrew Wiggins. He would have some great games against the Thunder. There were always reasons why he would come out and perform against certain teams, and then in other games, he would just disappear. So it wasn't that... Personally, I didn't like Andrew. That, that, that That's a joke. His teammates liked him. They just weren't sure organizationally if they could get him to play at a higher level. They gave him a max contract. He wasn't <laughs> living up to expectations. He gets here, and he was able to start fresh. He was able to turn the page, and the Warriors said, Hey, we just want you to be the best version of yourself. To his credit and their credit. It was a relationship that worked. The Warriors are not hoisting this trophy without Andrew Wiggins. He was an immense part of what they did all year. And, J.D., you saw it firsthand in the playoffs, rebounding defensively. Those were always the deficiencies as far as the consistent play went. It wasn't that it couldn't happen. It was that people weren't seeing it all the time from him. He has changed the narrative about his career and I cannot remember in all my years covering the league, a player go from one end of the spectrum about how they are perceived to changing it up at the point that he has this year.
2: Good stuff. He's Nick Friedel. I'm John Dickinson. Sophomore in Pacifica next year on Warriors This Week. Hey, Sophomore.
1: Hey, guys. Uh, Amazing. Last couple of weeks I got to take my daughter to Game 5 and my granddaughter to the watch party for Game 6. And uh, awesome. Uh, Nick, let me ask you a question about you. Uh, I see it as taking one for the team to move from the Warriors to the Nets myself. You don't have to comment on that, but what's this like for a, for a, for the, sorry, for your career, you know, making a change. a different audience. You get some of the East coast audience. Was it a bit of a silo, you know, with the Warriors? Uh, so uh, I'll take my answer on the air, but I'm interested in how this hits you. The
4: sophomore it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's definitely weird because I've made so many uh, great friends out here, and to see the Warriors have the success that they had, uh, it, it was strange kind of watching it from a distance after living it and seeing them at their worst at, at times the last couple seasons. But uh, professionally, it was just the right move for me to make in the moment, and you can't get caught up on how a team is going to do wins or losses-wise because – as a journalist, I can't cheer for for teams. I can't sit there and say, oh, well, the Warriors won, so <laughs> I feel bad that uh, I left this team that now has a window that appears to be wide open for some more titles. Being in New York and being in that environment, it was just the right thing for me at the right time. And being around a team, if we're being real honest, that has drama uh, for, <laughs> for the interest level – Uh, And for people to tune in and watch and listen, that is important, not just for where I work, but in the job that we have. The Warriors are great. They are incredibly well-run. They win. There's not always a lot of huge storylines at play because the drama that was there at times in the last few seasons, it's not there now for a variety of different reasons. The drama in Brooklyn, in large part because of Kyrie last year, is alive and well, and they are at the center of everything that is going on as far as what ESPN and, and a lot of other networks are concerned.
2: ESPN about. loves the drama, loves it. That's what it is. They love it. They lo- I'll say it. They love it. I'm not bash. I'm not going to bash your employer, but they lo- they love the, the drama over the quality of basketball is just more important.
4: They want to know in their minds what people are going to talk about the most. And that is a whole different layer that, that we can even, get into. Even it, if
2: they create it sometimes. It, right, <laughs> it,
4: it, that, that we can get into at, <laughs> at a different point. But, uh, but J.D., I mean, that, in the end, that's what what, what it's all uh, about right now. And to go from where the Warriors were just kind of winning games and, and bringing everything back up, I think there is an immense amount of interest and respect for Steph on the national level. But – with all the Kyrie and KD and Harden leaving and Simmons coming uh, it, it was a wild ride over the last 4 months or so since I left the bay
2: and just re- real quick on that point and then we're taking requests on highlights here by the way so we got we got one of these highlights from early in the season we'll get to in just a second but just point of perspective cuz I I'm interested in it you cover the warriors the drama surrounding them, and then less drama, obviously, at the beginning of this season. I mean, you you covered this team until January. Yeah. And so you saw a lot of the really good early, the best of the best in the regular season you you saw before you you went to the East Coast. How, how, How does the Brooklyn drama and just where that organization is compare to where the Warriors organization is, just in terms of stability and kind of what's going on behind the scenes?
4: It's a really good question. The drama that the Warriors experienced in that last KD year, and it wasn't, it was not all Kevin's fault. No, There were a lot of different reasons why it had bubbled up (laughs) through the years and had reached a breaking point. That drama was the only thing in my career that was comparable to what I walked into in Brooklyn. Interesting. And what I would tell you is— I sense a common denominator. It and, and people will say, oh, well, Kevin was in both places. But I'll tell you the reason why I this year didn't have to do so much with Kevin. It was the Kyrie situation was unlike anything I have ever seen. And every single day, the difference is no matter what you thought about Kevin— it, The Warriors, the Nets, the Thunder before them, you knew that he was going to prepare himself and be out there all the time. Even when things were at their worst out here, the Warriors understood he's one of the greatest players that's ever played. They knew he would come prepared and he would put in the work needed to make the team as good as it could be. They trusted that he would be out there. J.D., the difference here is the Nets don't trust Kyrie to be on the floor. And when you are paying a guy max money and you're not sure if he will be out there night to night, Mm. that will derail a team very quickly. And that's why the the narratives and the intrigue surrounding the, the two situations are very different because Kevin Durant knew and the people around him on those teams knew that they could trust him to be out there and dominate when he was out there. The Nets don't feel the same way about Kyrie Irving and can't moving forward. All
2: right, we're we're taking requests. Brian, let's go back to November 10th. Huge statement moment for Andrew Wiggins. It came against his former team. Curry dribbles, hesitates, backs up the hash mark, goes to Wiggins in the corner. Baseline goes up and dunked it over Towns! Came right from the left corner and says, no, you're not going to get this! Wow. That That was a wow moment. November 10th at Chase.
4: Over towns, yeah. And do you remember Steph after that game? Yeah, when I were in there, Have you, Steph, I'm going. That's exactly where I was going. Steph says I'm going to show him a picture a, of that. A picture of that dunk. Because again, JD, this is why, and, and this is why it was such a good question, comparing the Warriors and the Nets. The Warriors culture is such that it all revolves around Steph, but there's a trust involved there for teammates. And for anybody who comes on this team, the Nets don't have that. They haven't built that yet. But that is a perfect example with Steph in saying, hey, Andrew, that play and these moments, we need them more from you. He didn't say it in a a boastful way to to look down upon Andrew Wiggins. He said it more as a constructive criticism way to say, this is what we need from you. And we know it is within Look you how to come out.
2: You can dominate. Exactly. You can dominate, and and you know that dunk was similar to the dunk that he had in the conference finals over Luca, the one that got wiped away initially for the yep. offensive foul, and then they reviewed it, and it was it wound up counting. So that you know he he showed it in the big moments, and the Warriors needed him to show it. Uh, let's uh, I'm going to sneak in Matt here real quick before the top of the hour. Hey, Matt.
8: Hey, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for being available on a Saturday as well. It's it's great to be able to listen um, when you have time to listen during the week, so that's awesome. Um, At the risk of boring you guys, can I take it back to the preseason?
2: Sure. They look good in the preseason, Matt. They look good in the preseason.
8: So they go 4-0. I'm watching every game, and you see at the end of the first half, they get to about five, seven minutes. They're kind of going through emotions, doing whatever, and then they flip that switch and they, they, they just ran them out the gym, and they won went, they went every single game like that. And then the you know, the reserves kind of play the rest of the second half. They did their job, and they won. So the last game was on NBA TV, and I'm watching them. I'm like, on. They're going, oh, yeah, they'll probably be like an 8 or a 9-feet or something like that. And I'm going like, oh, my, these guys, they don't know what's coming. And it was pretty funny because I just felt like we looked way better, and, we still, and most of the core still there. And I'm making my predictions you know based on Clay and having uh, Wiseman as well. Of course, Wiseman, Wiseman didn't pan out, but – yeah, you know, we go on the 18-2 start. We look really good, and then the the minutia of the midseason kind of settles in. So we got injuries and stuff like that, and then San Antonio they, they kind of look like San Antonio during their round. We just kind of manage the season, and then we get to the playoffs. And the Memphis was a bear, and then like uh, Phoenix and Milwaukee didn't handle their business. And I thought like that's that's a clear path for us to get it done, but. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say, guys.
2: Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Matt. No, you could tell in the preseason. There, there's three people that, that can verify because I, I saw something in the preseason. I remember telling you, I'm mm-hmm. like, this team looks a lot better than 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 we than thought because we, yeah. we talked about it a lot in the season. and Steiny and Guru could tell you that too because I remember me and Guru going back and forth like, this team looks really good, and Steiny was kind of like, yeah, you know, Steiny, But I thought, this team's going to be better than expected. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing. Uh, I, I knew for sure. We'll, we'll react to that on the other side. We're up against it a little bit here. 888 957 But, yeah, you could see it uh, in the preseason, no doubt. One hour down. we got three more hours to come. Phone line's open. Let's keep it rolling here. Warriors are NBA champions. 95-7 the game.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?